welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. We have an incredible show for you today. We're going to talk about industrial real estate. So that we're going to talk about warehousing, manufacturing, logistics. And in industrial real estate, you can't talk about that today without talking about online and retail sales and how retail uh, online sales have, have kind of are now part of industrial real estate. Well, please welcome my first guest. It's Ryan Severino. He's a senior economist with Reese. He's joining us on the phone. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Hello, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Always good to, uh, to catch up with you. Well, let's look at uh, performance for 2015. You know, how did uh, rents and occupancy uh, wrap up for the year? It seems like things uh, have been going pretty well. Yeah, you know, I would say that the industrial market closed out 2015 in style with a pretty strong finish. For warehouse distribution, vacancy ended the year at about uh, 10.6%, which was down 10 basis points from the third quarter and down about 60 basis points from the end of 2014. Although, you know, supply is ramping up a little bit, I think a lot of people are getting more enthusiastic about the property type. Demand remains strong, and it continues to exceed supply growth. And that's also translating into uh, a little more meaningful rent increase. I think uh, rents for warehouse distribution also performed pretty well. We saw asking rents grow about uh, about 0.8% during the quarter, and they were up uh, about 1.8% for the year. I think on the on the flex R&D side, it was also a good year, too. Uh, vacancy was down to about 10.8% at, at the end of the year. That was a 30 basis points drop during uh, the fourth quarter and down about 100 basis points during the calendar year. And, and again, not surprisingly, you see that kind of movement in vacancy. You're also going to get a pretty good showing on the rental side. Asking rents grew by about 50 basis points during the quarter and about, uh, about 1.7% during the year. So I think the story for both of the major subsectors is that there's a lot of robust demand out there. It continues to exceed supply growth, and that's translating into both vacancy decreases and rent increases. Well, that's great news. And to put it in perspective, what does that look like historically? Are we at uh, rental rates and occupancy that's the best we've seen, or are we not there? No, I mean, we, we're starting to get into that kind of territory where uh, it, it it's not quite the hottest market, I think, that we've ever seen, but it's certainly much improved over the last four to five years. I think we're starting to get into territory nationally when we're talking about uh, you know, vacancy levels and rent levels where it's starting to look more like it did before you know, the economy basically punched a big hole in the real estate market. <laughs> so I can't say we're, we're quite back to the, uh, the, the, the feverish environment that we were seeing in, in the decade leading up to the recession, but uh, we are, we are more rapidly, I think, than a lot of people thought, working our way back to that. Well, you know, the industrial property owners uh, seem to have smiles on their faces uh, these days, and I guess they deserve it. It's been a, a while for them and to see the good times they're having now. And you talked about levels of new supply. Uh, wh where are we? Are, is new supply uh, ramped up? Yeah, I, I think it has made significant strides over the last few years. I think like just about all the other major property types, if you look at what happened with this recession, because it was uh, a balance sheet driven recession, there was a big hole in the credit markets for a while, it was a lot more challenging than in your typical recession, even to get construction and development financing. So for a while, you started to see construction not be so robust. But then as the economy started to get its legs underneath it, as you started to see 
uh, a little more enthusiasm, you started to see construction uh, ramp up again fairly quickly to the point where um, what we saw in 2015 was certainly a post-recession high. We haven't seen construction levels, um, you know, in the, the tens, well into the tens of millions of square feet in, since before the downturn. And so I'd say uh, it was a fairly quick escalation once the market started to become a little more confident that uh, not only was the recovery in the economy somewhat entrenched, but the recovery in the property type itself was also entrenched. And of course, each market uh, you want to look at independently, but but overall, uh, you're still comfortable that we've got enough demand for the amount of supply that we're bringing online? Yeah, you know, and this is the thing that I, I, uh, I like about industrial, especially warehouse distribution, is that it's going to function to a large extent based on the overall economy. The overall economy is, is of huge importance because as long as we're creating jobs and we're getting, you know, even modest income gains, people are going to go out and spend money. And that's the thing that's so great about industrial. Industrial doesn't care if you're buying something in a store or you're buying it through a browser on your computer or via an app on your smartphone. Uh, it just wants you to buy stuff that needs to be housed somewhere temporarily. And so uh, I've heard some people go as... Uh, so far to say that industrial is the new retail. I'm, I'm personally not willing to go quite that far just yet, but I get what they're saying. I, I get that uh, you're now seeing uh, an, ab- an abundance and variance of sources of demand for uh, industrial space in a way that, that you know, we, we just weren't seeing you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah, well, it is an interesting concept. Uh, you know, we've even seen some large dead malls uh, be raised, and uh, you know, have industrial properties built there that are really, uh, you know, they're just delivering the goods. You know, it's just a, a place where they're delivering to the consumers. And we're talking with Ryan Severino with Reese uh, about industrial real estate, about logistics, and and Ryan. So the market's been good for industrial owners. So what's that mean for cap rates and investment sales volume? You know, not surprisingly, there's been a lot of enthusiasm for this property type. We, uh, we haven't quite finalized the data for the year yet, but what I'll tell you is that demand for industrial properties remains strong, especially the high-quality ones. Um, it looks like we're going to have another excellent year. You know, volumes are up, um, you know, well into the tens of billions of dollars. Demand is so robust. Uh, large investors, I would say, are still kind of on the hunt for those larger portfolio deals. Uh, the low-hanging fruit, unfortunately, for them has, has largely been picked from the tree. But uh, I think and you'd like to, they'd like to see uh, some bigger deals where they could put a lot of money to work. Uh, I think that's one of the things that's a little bit challenging about industrial for some of the larger, uh, more institutional investors is that it's difficult to move the needle on a portfolio because the individual deal sizes tend to be small. But that said, um, smaller investors love industrial, too. I think there is, uh, you know, there, there is this understanding out there in the market that the supply-demand dynamics are good and that the economic outlook is uh, still relatively favorable. So uh, no shortage of interest in the property type these days. And so how is that interest impacting cap rates? What's the trends you see there? The cap rates are still headed downward. Uh, you know, I'd say average deals uh, in 2015 were going off somewhere kind of the, you know, the high sixes range, but, uh, you know, the stronger deals were coming in well below that, you know, even down toward uh, 5% for some really good ones. And I think, you know, investors are realizing that this is excellent value, that, uh, that demand is exceeding supply, that the outlook is uh, a lot more robust. And I think what, what you've seen really over the last 12 to 18 months is that Investors, I think, who've been priced out of other property types are now finding uh, 
value in industrial, and they're seeing the cap rates are uh, relatively attractive. I'd say, you know, again, the one knock is kind of the smaller dollar amount for individual deals, but, eh, you know, that's really only an impediment to some of the, the larger investors. And what do you think, I can't have you on the phone, Ryan, without asking you about this. So, you know, what do you think about the changes in, in FERPTA? Uh, is that going to encourage more foreign investors uh, to invest in the U.S.? And is that going to move the needle at all uh, on the market? You know, all else being equal, I would say yes. I think, um, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, foreign investors for, for, for a long time, hadn't really been all that interested in industrial. There were, you know, it was a lot of office and some hotel and, and apartment to a lesser extent and maybe even some, um, you know, some real trophy caliber retail. But it was often for the longest time kind of looked at as the, the you know, sort of had, had second-class citizen status. But I think <laughs> if you have seen what's transpired over the last, oh, 12 to 18 months or so, I think even uh, foreign investors who largely shied away from it are now... Uh, seriously consider either they've already done deals or they're seriously considering doing deals and I think you know that's an interesting change because I think we continue to be in the United States the harbor in the tempest especially uh, with a lot of the gyrations we've seen in the economy and markets over the last um, you know three to three to uh, to six months and so I think all else being equal if you're going to give them um, any sort of incentive, I think, you know, it, it, all else being equal, it, it bodes well for their interest in industrial, because clearly, um, you know, they have uh, awoken to uh, the opportunities that are available in the property type. And, and I think once intelligent investors realize that, um, you know, there's no going back at that point. Yeah, and it makes sense, you know, especially if you, if you considered online sales are going to increase, industrial might be a good place to be. Well, Ryan Severino from Reese, thanks for joining us, sir. Always my pleasure. Good to talk to you, Michael. Thank you. And we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to some principals in the industrial market and get their take on what's going on and their forecast. If you appreciate the Commercial Real Estate Show, you're invited to subscribe on YouTube and on iTunes. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on industrial real estate. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about industrial real estate and logistics. Please welcome my next guest is Larry Callahan, CEO, and Peter Anderson, VP, both with Patillo Industrial Real Estate. Now, Patillo has been an industrial developer since 1950. They've developed millions of square foot of industrial buildings and master-planned industrial parks. They also own thousands of acres of industrial land that is ready to go. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us here in Studio One. Glad Good to be morning, here. Michael. Well, we appreciate it. You know, we've just heard Ryan Severino talk about uh, you guys must be doing the Snoopy dance. You know, everything's so great now. Is that really what's happening on the ground level for you guys? Uh, are the is the market that hot? Well, um, 2015 was a very good year. There's a lot of things that, that went well uh, for us and for uh, most people that are in the industrial business. Yeah. The low interest rate environment, uh, strong demand, uh, low vacancy, and the start of rental rate increases. Uh, which is something that was absent from the industrial arena for, for quite some time. 
it, ha it has come back and uh, it's, uh, there's an environment where a lot of uh, property continues to be absorbed uh, and it's reached a point where rental rates have gotten high enough to justify new construction. So you're seeing a lot of, of new construction for the first time really in years. Give us a sample of a, of a rental rate that we may have seen um, five years ago uh, and you might see for the same building doing a new lease today. Well, um, I would say that uh, generally speaking, rental rates, if you're talking early 2009, if things were coming up for renewal in early 2009, you were seeing a 25% drop in the, in the rates. And the rates vary from market to market. So you can't uh, you know, give, give one number, but uh, you know, if, if the going rental rate was four bucks, then suddenly it was three bucks. And there are a lot of people that were doing things less than that on a, on a per square foot per year basis. Uh, so it's been a slow climb, and um, I, I will make one comment on that too, which is um, uh, I'll talk about trees for a second. Um, you know, trees, if they grow fast, tend to be a little bit brittle, but trees, if they grow slowly, tend to be stronger wood. And this recovery has been a slow climb, and it's got good, solid foundations on it. It's not excess of speculation. Um, it's not uh, unreasonable exuberance on the part of tenants that's uh, driving demand. It's a steady growth uh, driven by just increases in population and uh, increase in demand for products. So the part that a lot of people are talking about is how much of it is based on the internet and retail that has moved from uh, being in store to being online. And that is clearly something that's a, a major trend, and it's uh, more evident in some markets than other markets. Um, the, um, the online uh, major distribution buildings uh, for e-commerce are not located in every city in the country, but certain key markets are seeing a lot of it, and it is a major driver of activity. Is that where your biggest increase of demand is on these very large facilities? Well, that has been in the entire market. I think that has been the biggest thing that's happened over the last few years. Um, and it's it, still growing? It's still growing. Yeah. Uh, it's still growing strong, and it's, uh, it's a restructuring, too, because um, uh, there are certain markets that, um, you know, you, everybody's used to. The large industrial markets are Chicago and uh, the Inland Empire out in uh, Los Angeles and Dallas and Atlanta. You know, those are all, uh, all big markets uh, where activity is happening. But there are other markets that are being impacted by it also. Uh, for instance, uh, Memphis and Louisville uh, are two of the uh, places that uh, benefit greatly from e-commerce because Memphis is where FedEx is based and uh, Louisville is where UPS does their um, national distribution. So we've had this demand from these large users, um, especially from companies like Amazon and things. Are you starting to see some of the mid-size and smaller users uh, come back around the country? Well, I'll tell you, that was very slow coming back. It was, uh, people were talking about activity and they were saying, ah, there was a million square foot building here and another million square foot building there. And what wasn't happening is, is there weren't users coming into 50,000 square feet or 100,000. Nobody was demanding a new 200,000 square foot building. So uh, the market was uh, very heavily skewed to very large buildings. I think we've reached the part of the market now where, um, if I can call it more normal size buildings for uh, the broader array of the industrial market are starting to be in demand. And we are in fact uh, building buildings in that 200,000 square foot range 
Um, some of ours that we're building are as much as 450,000, but um, I think there's been a long period of time where most of what was getting billed was 800,000 or yeah. above, and not everybody needs to go into that. So e-commerce is certainly a large and growing part of the market, but it's not the whole market. Yeah, so what types of industries and users are trending more active now? Are, are some of the companies that are involved in, in uh, construction and housing getting more active? What do you see? Well, Coming let from Peter the come. Florida market, I mean, mm -hmm. the state of Florida industrial market is driven by residential construction and residential growth. Mm -hmm. And so those uh, companies that support the residential industry from carpet suppliers to building trust suppliers and windows and doors and hardware and the appliances that come into buildings. So uh, that business had really evaporated in 2008, 9, and 10 and had retrenched back into uh, in, into a smaller footprint for distribution center networks. Well, as that growth has begun in Florida and throughout the Southeast, you've definitely seen those suppliers, those companies, some of them with new names, uh, coming back into the market and occupying warehouses. I will say that they are acting a little bit more cautiously, as Larry said, and uh, so it does feel like there's uh, not the over-exuberance that we felt maybe in 2004 and five and six. Yeah, and that's good news, I think. So what's important to tenants today? Is there anything trending uh, that tenants are really looking for uh, today? We tend to talk about e-commerce, but it's really just the technology that has uh, inventory management technology, uh, whether it is for consumer products or whether it is for companies that serve the building products industry, et cetera, et cetera. But this technology and inventory management systems is allowing companies to manage their large number of SKUs, large number of products in a building to increase the size of that building and increase that size both from a footprint and from a clear height perspective so that their cubic usage of the space is is greater. Uh, with that, it's it's kind of it's had some impact on the footprint for distribution center networks for companies across the United States. With them tending to concentrate more into these large distribution centers that we read so much about and that are headline grabbing first. But I think if the uh, economy continues to expand, we're seeing that second wave of. Um, distribution center network establishment into some of the smaller communities and a little bit smaller footprint buildings. What uh, season heights are you seeing trending now? What's, what's popular? Well, started in the industry 30 years ago and 24 clear was, was the height, but you, um, amazingly we're starting to see more of the 36 and into the 40 foot clear areas, which mm -hmm. gets into fire protection issues and um, uh, certainly your material handling issues from companies. So that's usually really for the buildings that are 400,000 square feet and larger where tenants will take advantage of that kind of clear height. Okay. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on logistics and industrial real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. And don't forget, if you like the show, like us on uh, Facebook and connect with us on LinkedIn. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about industrial real estate and logistics. My guests are Larry Callahan, CEO, and Peter Anderson, VP, both with Patillo Industrial Real Estate. And gentlemen, there's talk about uh, all these ports being dredged and being expanded uh, and a big change in logistics uh, around the country. Uh, What's happening there? Well, the Panama Canal is going to be widened, and they're approaching completion of that project. It was originally supposed to be done in 2014, but you know, big projects like that sometimes get delayed a little bit. But it is a major uh, uh, opportunity uh, for people that are delivering by ship to figure out what the best place is for them to go. And still in the United States, two-thirds of the people in the, in the United States live east of the Mississippi. So if there is an easier way to move things by boat, and traveling by boat is still the cheapest way to transport large amounts of, uh, of, of merchandise, uh, then if there's an easier way, then it's more likely that people are going to try to find a way to get more things coming directly to the East Coast. So there's, there's, it's a smart move. They're, you're trying to deliver things to people. There's still a lot of goods that are coming out of uh, Asia. And if they're coming out of Asia, uh, the West Coast is the first thing they come to. So there's still going to be a lot of things that are going in through Los Angeles and Seattle and all these other places. Uh, but I think they're going to see a significant increase, not a complete reversal, but a significant increase in the patterns of coming directly to East, Port, um, East Coast ports. And um, I, I think that that's going to be a significant thing. People have been planning for it for years and starting to set up the buildings that are there. And I'll let Peter comment more because he's, he's working all up and down the East Coast ports right now, and maybe he can tell you a little bit about what the current status is. Well, here we are in 2016, and it's funny because we were talking about preparing for the expansion of the Panama Canal in 2006. Mm-hmm. So we were premature. <laughs> I think the whole real estate community was premature, and it was oversold. There's um, definitely been a competition from all of the ports to try to prove to the federal government um, appealing for our tax dollars that uh, they're the best place for the federal government to invest in dredging their ports. I think Savannah is clearly going to be a winner in the southeast as a port of entry, but the Panama Canal, as Larry said, is not yet uh, expanded, and so the post-Panama ships aren't really coming over in what, number. What is the timing? So the, and that timing seems to continuously change. Uh, change. And okay. so uh, sometimes it's, it's like a, a building construction timeline when you've got the, the bad weather. Sometimes you just stop looking because it's always bad news. <laughs> but I bet bet before 2020. And so then Savannah is going to be one of the first East Coast ports that's going to be dredged to the depth that can handle the post-Panamax ships. And that'll probably be in the early 2020 range by the time that's... Uh, that's completed. I mean, that's once the dredging process begins in earnest, once they start digging, you're still looking at a three or four year uh, process for the entire channel to be dredged at each one of these ports. Charleston is fighting hard to be right behind that. Uh, Jacksonville would like to join those ranks as well. But that's uh, each one of these ports is looking for about a billion dollars 
of federal money uh, for that support. In the same time, you've got LAX, Long Beach, excuse me, Long Beach, um, LA ports, they're looking for several billion dollars for improvements that they have out there. So the West Coast ports, as Larry said, are not going to give up easily on, uh, on being the port of entry for this freight. But there's going to be certainly diversification that we've already seen start to occur of ports of entry. Uh, companies got burned by having uh, a one primary port of entry years ago and uh, have already shifted even on the smaller uh, Panamax ships coming to the East Coast ports. And so uh, immediately today we're seeing Savannah market has had a, a nice uptick. The Charleston market is starting to see an uptick. And uh, we're hoping in the Jacksonville market in particular uh, that, that they will soon see some effects of more freight coming from Asia into our ports. Well, how can occupiers of space prepare for that now? Is it too early now? If you're an investor, you're a developer, um, uh, you use uh, warehouse space, use industrial buildings. How could, should you prepare now for that? And is there any changes to expect? It's premature. Still. The, I, I believe it's premature. I believe most users are going to want to see these channels established, that the Panama widening is established and that it's serviced regularly. I think even today, and uh, perhaps uh, I don't, we, we don't have any uh, call-in ability here, I'd like to hear, but I believe uh, Long Beach, uh, LA Long Beach ports are still seeing less than 10% of the freight that comes into LA Long Beach uh, coming in via post Panamax ships. So this is going to un, uh, unravel or, or play out, is a better word, over the next 20 and 30 years. All the ships, all the Panamax ships that are serving ports today are going to continue to serve ports, but will be slowly retired over the next decades. Okay. Well, great. Well, you can comment if you're watching or listening. Comment on YouTube or on iTunes or the show website. Stay with us. We have more to come. Are you in accounting, banking, or technology? Advertising on this show is an incredible way to reach U.S. commercial real estate participants. Visit CREshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about logistics. We're talking about industrial real estate. We're talking about warehouses. And now we're going to talk about investment property sales. Please welcome my guests, Larry Callahan and Peter Anderson. They're both with Patillo Industrial Real Estate. And you guys have been active in the market. You've been, you've been buyers. You've been sellers. Um, if you're looking to acquire uh, investment properties in the industrial world today, uh, what's it like out there? Is there enough opportunities for acquisition? Well, the short answer is highly competitive. <laughs> it is a highly competitive situation. Uh, the people that do this every day are, are telling us that there are three or four dollars of uh, investment money available for every dollar of investment property that's actually on the market, especially the highest quality uh, markets with, uh, with, with credit tenants in it. Uh, so it's a very competitive uh, market. It's been um, a lot of different ways you can look at the real estate market. You know what's going on with vacancy and what's absorption and uh, you know what's the construction cost looking like and what are rental rates. I mean, but it, clearly the hottest part of the market has been investment sales for the last several years. Uh, been a lot of money looking for a place to go, especially in a you know the if you look at where people can put money, 
Um, they put it into the stock market last year and went through all the roller coaster rides and at the end of the year they got nowhere. <laughs> they were right where they were at the start. So an investment that pays you a cash return that is say 6% on what you just invested looks pretty good especially when you consider that that property might increase in value over time. Is that a cap rate that you've seen lately? Tell us yes. about some sample cap rates that you've bought or sold at. Well, uh, we're seeing um, uh, property industrial, quality industrial property hovering around a 6% cap rate, and it, and it varies. And we've seen some that you know, have been trying to push below that. We've seen some that go above it. Depends on exactly what the quality of the, of the property is. Um, but we have sold um, uh, a, a traditional, older uh, portfolio of industrial properties that we owned, and we have been moving into taller, younger properties. Uh, the, that have credit tenants in it. So uh, we have seen the cap rates approaching the 6% range uh, and they're significantly higher, you know, more like 7 or 7.5 seven when you're dealing with older properties. Well, it sounds like a smart move in real estate. My friend did it with women. It didn't work out for him when he went for taller, <laughs> younger <laughs> oh, women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a it's good a, real estate move. Yeah. So so th there's been talk of uh, bubble pricing in some of these uh, property types and certainly industrial is hot. The outlook's good. Uh, the cost of money is low. Um, is it time to, to sell? Are, are, we, are you more of a seller today than, than you thought you would be? Well, some of the properties that we sold recently, uh, we've held on to for 50 plus years. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we thought this was a very good market to do this uh, in. And uh, we don't know how long the market carries on. We, we do feel like it was a good time for us to sell, particularly because we were using that as a strategy to uh, expand into other markets and move into uh, the, the more modern product type. So we felt like it was a very good time to do that. Um, you know, maybe Peter wants to comment on some of the things he's seen because he's been out negotiating for the purchases of things. Certainly if you look at the landscape out there, it seems that owners are choosing to sell. That this is the time to sell and people are bringing their portfolios to market. And now the market has stayed um, hot for a long enough period where we're seeing industrial properties come back up after that three-year period. Uh, so a little bit like we've seen in the apartment sector for a number of years now, we're seeing the same in investment product come back around a second time three years later and trade again at yet a more aggressive price. Uh, I think the pricing is getting to a historic high when you start to value things versus replacement costs, when you start to value things um, versus uh, cost per square foot and uh, with these very aggressive uh, uh, cap rates. And some of the aggressive cap rates could be justified early in the cycle because rental rates were low. That uh, rental rates were at a historic lows or, at, or, or, or low relative to a property's value because the rental rate might have been set in the downturn of the market in 2008, 2009, 2010. Now these rental rates are being readjusted upward because there's more pressure um, uh, f when tenants are looking to um, re renew their leases. So uh, the, with the tighter vacancies. In, in the market, the tenors, tenants are paying uh, higher rental rates. And so if you apply the cap rate to these higher rental rates, it starts to make that valuation versus replacement versus your pound per square foot uh, much higher than we saw in the first 
first months of the cycle. So it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. Where are there some opportunities for investors of different sizes um, in the current market? The, there are very few hidden opportunities. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, as Larry said, there is three to four buyers for every decent and, and, and 10 to 20 buyers for every quality investment opportunity out there. So um, I, I think you need to check yourself if you think you're finding uh, an opportunity buy. <laughs> Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself. Make sure you're <laughs> awake. Um, so what are you doing for, if you're doing analysis to acquire a property uh, today, uh, are you looking at exit cap rates at all? And are you considering that as your, uh, what, how that property might be valued uh, five or six years from now, yeah, cap rate wise? I'll, I'll comment on that. Everybody who tries to figure out what you should pay for something, uh, you know, there's a cash flow analysis and it starts with, you know, what's this going to cost and, and what do you think you're going to get from rental rates and how long will it be vacant and what will it cost to retenant? There's all kinds of assumptions that go into it. But one of the ones that just affects uh, tremendously what you're willing to pay is what you think it would be worth 10 years from now. And uh, everybody's guessing at that. Nobody knows for sure what that number is going to be. Um, but it's, it, it's important, and we think that rates, I think, right now are probably lower than they will be you know, five or 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah well, good point. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to have some tips for tenants, for occupiers of space. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're dancing in the studio because we're talking about industrial real estate and logistics. And we have Larry Callahan here with us and Peter Anderson. They're both with Patillo Industrial Real Estate. And gentlemen, you guys are dealing with, with medium-sized and large companies all the time uh, with their lease renewals, their new space, their, their uh, uh, logistics. What are some tips that you would give to occupiers of space uh, in the market today? Well, demand for industrial real estate is generally not an emotional purchase. Uh, it's, it's driven by very calculated business needs. And uh, people uh, are very thoughtful about taking on industrial space. Uh, but those that, that need the space, uh, once they decide they need it, they do have a decision on how long do I commit to this space. And you know, a world that's changing, one of the reasons people lease is because there's a certain amount of flexibility in it. Uh, but there is um, thought about where the market is right now. The, the vacancy rates have um, uh, gone down to the point where rental rates are going up, and I think that environment's going to continue for a while. So somebody locking in at today's rates is likely to be getting, gaining an advantage by doing so uh, because the dynamics are in place for rates to be going further north in the future. So, so let me make sure I catch you there. So obviously it's, it depends on the company and, and, the, and the market and submarket, but overall you're suggesting that rather going short on a lease term today if you're a tenant, you'd suggest going long. Yeah, the savviest uh, customers that we've got are starting to push toward longer uh, deals right now. And I think they're making the right move. I mean, nobody ever knows the future for sure, but I think this is a good time to, to lock some things in. And I think going long and also paying more. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that sounds funny, 
But what, what I'm speaking to is we've talked about how frothy the investment market is mm -hmm. uh, um, across the country. And so investors are seeking investment properties. The cost of capital is very low. And so owners of industrial properties are very motivated to make deals. We're making very aggressive offers on our rental rates. And so my thought is, along with Larry, that you want to get into a property that works well for you today. And you can get into these properties at historically low, really, uh, rental rates uh, in comparison to the to the value of the property because the cost of money is so low because the investment market is so frothy uh, for purchasing these investments. So that translates into low rental rates, so buy quality, which might mean paying a little bit more, um, but that's why we're investing at Patillo Industrial Real Estate, while we're investing in new buildings mm -hmm. and bringing out the product with the higher clear heights and the more dock doors and the bigger truck courts and all of those things. So pay a little bit more, get your quality today because you're getting quality at a low cost, really. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. You look at the low cost of uh, money, you look at higher uh, construction costs and continue to increase, you might look eight or 10 years down the road and wait, wow, glad I had a 20-year lease, right? Well, how many occupiers of space are opting to, to own rather than lease today? Well, we've been through uh, a period of time where some of the um, historic structures, if I can call it that, or buildings that we'd owned for a long time, um, some people Those, call them old. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Story they're still quite good, functional for, for certain activities um, and certain companies because some people want that identity with a smaller building and they own it and they've got a yard outside and all the, the control and I'm going to tell my wife I'm historic. For some activities. <laughs> yeah, but what we've seen is a lot of people wanting to own those buildings. And mm -hmm. we had a number of sales transactions last year, year and a half, uh, where users of those buildings uh, wanted to own them and the money is available for that. Owner occupants, uh, the banks are very willing to lend to those people. They've got a very strong interest in the building. So we think yeah. that that has happened uh, a good deal. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you joining us in Studio One. Well, glad to do it. Well, we appreciate it. And thanks for joining us out there, one of the 47 radio stations on YouTube and on iTunes, or maybe you're watching or listening on the show website. Thanks for being with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.